Hello everyone, and welcome to the final episode of Inglewood Public Library Passes the Mic. In this episode, I speak with Jamal Hill of the Swim Uphill Foundation. Please enjoy. So we're here, episode eight of Passing the Mic with the Ingle Public Library. I'm speaking to Jamal Hill, mm -hmm. professional athlete and Inglewood champion. Amen to that, <laughs> amen to that. Thanks for having me today, Sean. Uh, happy to represent the City of Champions at the Paralympic Games this summer. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, so, there are, are, you know, our listeners may know about your Olympic achievements. Yeah. yeah. But more importantly for our podcast, uh, you know, whose purpose is to connect our patrons uh, with the services that are yeah. offered in the city, yeah. um, is your nonprofit, Absolutely. Swim Uphill. Could you tell us a little bit about that and how that started up? Yeah, absolutely. So the Swim Uphill Foundation is a 501 nonprofit. Uh, it is ultimately a, it's a, it's a part of my brand. It's like an element of the vertical integration of the Jamal Hill brand. Mm. Uh, so when I first joined the Paralympic movement in 2018, I won my first national championship. I'm standing on the podium with, you know, this nice little shiny rock around mm -hmm. my neck. And uh, I wasn't overwhelmed with joy, but I was overwhelmed with enlightenment. Mm. And uh, in that moment, uh, I ultimately came to the to the threshold of you know what it means to be a champion. Mm. And uh, you know, being from the city of champions, I think that we have I think we may have one too many people in this world whose whose great gift to us is a smiling face and trophies. Mm -hmm. You know that there's got to be something more there mm -hmm. than this, this esoteric concept of me pulling joy from what you've done for your own life, right? Uh, and so, kind of with all this culminating in my mind, man, I, I said to myself, well, hey, you know what? I'm obviously a pro swimmer, I'm pretty good at it, gonna be doing this for the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. I've done about the last 10 years working throughout LA County as a lifeguard. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've always loved service. Uh, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a pediatrician, all these types of things. Um, and, and at this time, I have a big background in marketing too, so, so mm. I'm really pushing my brand. Dude, it just hit me all at once, you know what? I'm gonna teach a million people how to swim. Mm. And that's gonna be a part of my brand that's, you know, when people say Jamal Hill, when they say Paralympics, they're not gonna not be able to bring up the Swim Uphill Foundation and this amazing mission and work that we're gonna be doing. So uh, that was the inception of it. And uh, dude, pretty much from right there, it started like this kind of crazy, um, almost, uh, <laughs> almost marketing ploy of an idea mm -hmm. uh, into, you know, really taking the time to do some research and realize, man, you know, around the world, there are about a million people drowning every year. Mm. Uh, most of those going unrecorded because they're happening in low to middle income communities and countries. And, uh, you know, obviously it is a class issue, but uh, most class issues do oftentimes reflect uh, racial inequities, mm. you know, so so a lot of these people drowning around the world every year, just like here in the U.S., are going to be black and brown. So yes. uh, with that in mind, uh, pretty much myself, my business partner slash swim coach at the time, we developed a new method called the Swim Uphill Method mm. uh, that's designed to teach students how to swim in five hours. And we built the method based off of aquaphobics. Mm. Um, so that's what we started knowing in the library here. So research is, is a very appropriate word. Uh, we began to research, you know, 
who would be the most difficult person to learn how to study? Mm -hmm. And if we could create a system and a program to effectively and efficiently teach them in a reasonable amount of time, then, you know, we probably could scale that. And, uh, and we got lucky. So the yeah. same methods that we use to teach aquaphobics, um, you know, when we start them outside of the water, they use a bowl of water mm -hmm. and different things, some psychosensory uh, tools that, that are common to individuals with PTSD. Mm. Uh, yeah, so essentially, we kind of just take them through this method and this curriculum that we built that ultimately allows them to start to learn how to swim without having to be in a pool. Mm. And you can kind of see how there's already this overlap, right? Oh man, excuse me. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> so usually anyone that calls me knows uh, like I usually don't answer the phone. <laughs> but the scam likelies are going crazy right now. Um, but I say all that to say that, uh, yeah, people could learn how to swim without having to begin in a pool. Yes. which is more important than just people with aquaphobia, right? Mm -hmm. That obviously goes into the issue of access mm -hmm. um, and people being able to get comfortable and, and have these skills. You know, I always tell parents, you don't, uh, before you send your kid to pre-K, mm -hmm. they already got some skills from home. Yes. So that's, that's pretty much our whole thing is beginning this water safety and this swim education from home. Mm -hmm. um, building in this generational aspect to getting the parents, the grandparents, auntie, uncle involved. Mm -hmm. um, and that way once we get the kids in the water, they already have this baseline yeah. that we can now build on. And uh, you know, I'm not going to give it all away here, but uh, <laughs> we have very clear markers that, that uh, pretty accurately project when a student is going to be able to make some poor progress across the surface. Wonderful. Yeah, man. Wonderful. Uh, Chris, this was founded, you know, you founded this mission with your, with your coach. Uh, so, uh, in some ways, yes. So, so we definitely are um, co-authors, co-creators of the Swim Uphill Method, the mm -hmm. actual curriculum that we used to teach. Yeah. Uh, but I founded the Swim Uphill Foundation in spring of 2020. Mm -hmm. um, that's when the paperwork is official, you know. But like yeah. I said, we've been doing the work and the research and, and running programs and things like that since 2018. Wonderful. And and I brought up your coach because while I was doing my, you know, preliminary research mm -hmm. on you and your life, it seems like um, the moment that you met your coach mm -hmm. was a huge catalyst for, yeah. for where you are today. Um, so could you describe the value of that coaching and uh, maybe how to seek out a coach if, yeah. if you're an uncoached person? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so first of all, shout out to Wilma Wong. You know, the coach need not remain unnamed. Uh, <laughs> Wilma Wong, definitely a massive catalyst in my life. Uh, the best thing I could tell you without getting into any specifics mm -hmm. about our coaching and yeah. dynamic and relationship, um, to kind of just keep it on a general, you mm -hmm. know, appropriate scale would be, number one, look, uh, good choices come from experience and most experience comes from bad choices. Mm -hmm. So for me to even, you know, when, when myself and my coach got together, dude, I'm, I'm pretty much a grown man at this time. I'm 22 years old, mm -hmm. you know, and, and this is a new coach. so. We already, me at that point, I knew that I needed a, a partner, mm -hmm. right? I knew that I needed a, a mutually respectable working relationship um, that whoever I put in this role, I was gonna do the things that they said, not because I had to, mm -hmm. but because I have empowered them with this title, right? I've yeah. empowered them with this trust. So mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest thing is uh, having somebody that believes enough in you for you to believe in them, mm -hmm. right? Um, and from there you can start to build trust and things like that. But yeah, man, I, now dude, I'm 22 at that time, right? 26 now, so it's four years ago. I had gone through a lot of coaches, man. I had some better than others, <laughs> some worse than others. 
Um, you know, coaches on the collegiate level, high school level, um, even the age group level. So I say all that to say, you know, I didn't just strike gold the first time out. Yeah. Um, you know, you kind of got to kiss a few frogs, but from that, again, you gain experience. Yeah. And then you know what you do, do not want what does and does not work for you. Um, so coming into that relationship, uh, you know, we, we, we had a really good chance of success. And reaching this 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 catalytic state, uh, I feel like was was so fascinating. How your you know your journey across the country and back, yeah. basically. Um, yeah, man. Which which was kind of making me think about college, and mm -hmm. you know how college is always pushed as the only option mm -hmm. for you know rising out of whatever yeah. social circumstances you yeah. live in. Um, could you describe your opinion of, of the college system and uh, yeah. maybe your journey? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I think one thing that just kind of must be said is the uh, the logical fallacy of causation and correlation. Mm -hmm. right? Like most people, I'm sure you know, see stats. Oh man, you go to college, you're gonna make this much more in your lifetime, or you're more inclined to be this much more successful. And uh, just uh, you know, you take any rudimentary statistics class. You start to really understand how facts can be swayed any type of way to, to meet a particular agenda. Yeah. So that's the first thing I would say just regarding uh, higher education as, as an industry, you know, mm -hmm. college as an industry, that, uh, that, uh, that numbers don't always tell the same story that we're being told, you yes. know. So there, you know, obviously we know there are plenty of people who have not gone to college and have been successful. And there are plenty of people who have gone to college and there's no telling whether they had spent those four years doing something else that they would be more or less successful. Yeah. Um, you know, so definitely the person is always going to be the largest determining factor. With that said, I have a massive appreciation for education. Yeah. Uh, you know, our, for, for our podcast today, dude, you tell me, oh yeah, we're going to be in another building. I'm like, nah, dude, we got to have the books in the back. <laughs> yeah, I really respect um, that. <laughs> you know, so, and that's because, man, I'm an avid reader. I, I'm, I consume on average three to five books a month depending on you know Wonderful. depending on the the, the tax size yeah, right yeah. so anywhere from three to five books a month and uh you know education is a hundred percent the key to you know things like generational wealth and, and generational evolution we're usually only able to build off of the shoulders that we're standing upon right mm -hmm. standing on the shoulders of giants as they say so just edu education as a whole that's definitely my perspective on it yeah. um you know when we speak to college uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of great value there. I think everyone kind of has to make it make sense for themselves, whether man, woman, boy, or girl. Um, but also just understand that college, you know, college institutions are businesses mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Yes. They are business. My nonprofit, the Silver Hill Foundation, is a business mm -hmm. at the end of the day. You know, there are certain uh, bottom lines, there are certain non negotiables. There, we have certain goals other than just our outward facing mission in order to operate successfully and be around and serve as a business. Um, and so just ultimately remembering that and, and, uh, and understanding that, uh, you know, your interests as a student are ultimately going to be best served if the institution that you're going to, if, if they align, right? Yeah. Um, so that's what I would say, man. You know, I'm not here to bash collegiate institutions at all. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like I said, uh, I, went, I went away to school, was there for three years, and after my third year mm -hmm. is when I decided to drop out and become a pro swimmer. Yeah. That's, like, that's what I felt called to do at that point in my life. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, just, just can't drill it enough. Education and education 
is what the key is, and that uh, I think the more that we can kind of get uh, get this almost like uh, this, this this common ground mm-hmm. that that no one body holds a monopoly on education. Yes. You know, then that that's really what the key is. You know, you don't have to go here to be educated. You mm-hmm. can so you don't have to go here to do this. Uh, education is is is, is it's a bunch of a human right at swimming, mm-hmm. and that's what we're working to provide. So Wonderful. there you go. Wonderful. It, your comments are, are, you know, reminding me a lot of the community college system. Mm-hmm. How this is often ignored for these big name, you know, big dollar yep. institutions. Uh, so maybe for you know a listener who who may have difficulties imagining yeah. themselves in these universities, they should they should check out the community college first. Yeah, man. I hope hopefully. Mayor Butts, Inglewood, Inglewood Community College coming soon. <laughs> um, you know, but yeah, man, absolutely. Uh, I'll tell you this. My journey when I first, my senior year, uh, so, so I'm, I'm a hard-nosed guy. So mm-hmm. once, I have my, once I have my mindset, it's set. So I, I had specific criteria for my collegiate experience. I'm like, it's got to be out of state and they got to have a swim team. If they don't have those two things, mm-hmm. I'm just gonna go to community college. Yeah. Um, and so I was planning on going to community college. The craziest thing happened literally after I graduated as a senior, July after my senior year, mm-hmm. this opportunity popped up and I ended up across the country side unseen. Um, but I say all that to say that, you know, uh, I've definitely been on uh, community college campuses. You know, I've, I've, uh, I've been to Santa Monica, I've been to El Segundo just here in, uh, in the Southern California region. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so I've taken classes there, but I never have fully experienced it, you know, so I don't think I'm the most qualified to maybe speak on the experience aspect, but uh, just from a 30,000 foot view, um, dude, it's still just like, it's a stepping stone, you know, it's like if you want to continue in this formal education system, maybe you're not sure what comes next, maybe you're feeling pressure from other people, dude, it's natural, young people feeling pressure from parents, whoever, school board, you know. (laughs) Um, it's a great next step, a great stepping stone, and a great opportunity to figure it out, dude. Because I mean, let's be honest: the world, this world, living in this world, costs money. Oh, a lot you know, of money. A lot costs of money. a lot of money, man. I spent, I spent a lot of money over three years. Trust me, man. I'm doing my best to make the most out of those experiences. <laughs> you know, but um, that community college environment is. Uh, it's a low-hanging fruit to continue to just explore academia mm. and to you know come into new and interesting and challenging ideas, yeah. and ultimately that's what grows people, that's what evolves people as experiences and, and having your beliefs um, challenged. So yeah, yeah so I, th- I think that's a great thing. I think that's that's a great space. You know, even if even if you never get a degree, just to, to take a semester and to try and learn something different, or you know to. To try maybe you believe like this is the end all be all of religion mm-hmm. and so you know whether or not you convert you take a religious studies class on something else for yeah. perspective you yeah. know so that we can sit here and we can communicate and dialogue with differing ideas mm-hmm. and then not come down to physical altercation totally yeah totally it's all about expanding your, mm-hmm. your perception absolutely perception. Um, it's kind of that's kind of reminded kind of bouncing me back to to your organization mm-hmm. let's go back to your organization yeah uh, you know, to make a successful nonprofit, you mm-hmm. need partners. Yeah. Are there any partners that Swim Uphill uh, yeah. relies on uh, to continue operations? Yeah. Um, and allow me not to, uh, you know. Uh, Anyone you'd like to speak of? Yeah, yeah, yeah for no, sure. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I appreciate that. So I would say that the number one thing is uh, 
I'm not a fan of the word rely. I'm not a fan of the word rely. Um, not a fan of just the concept of mm -hmm. dependency mm -hmm. in general. Uh, but I will say that, uh, you know, there are definitely some bigger names that we can honor, but we're a volunteer-driven organization, mm -hmm. okay? And the, the most important aspect of that is we provide our volunteers more training, um, more opportunities, and, you know, ultimately try and do more experience than they provide us. Mm. So giving a lot more in advance than we receive in return, even though we are a volunteer-driven organization. So yeah. from our grants department to our project managers who you know will be running uh, a swim event here with the city of Inglewood in this 2022 season to, um, to, to our email support team, all of these are volunteers that are world-trained individuals. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so, so that's the biggest thing is, is that's literally community partners, you know, people from all yeah. over the nation yeah. uh, that come together to help see this mission into fruition. Uh, big shout out to our board of directors mm -hmm. and our governance, uh, amazing individuals. And then, yeah, we definitely do have larger partners like Speedo. Mm -hmm. Speedo International is a big partner of ours. Um, there are other organizations here in the Southern California region. Boys and Girls Club of Pasadena is a large partner. Boys and Girls mm -hmm. Club of Metro City. Um, the Angel City Sports, which is a Paralympic sports organization or adaptive sports organization mm -hmm. uh, with a rich, rich history in the city. Uh, Hilda Bay, mm -hmm. really, really powerful nonprofit uh, out of uh, out of Santa Monica. Um, so yeah, we, we've got some good roots here in Southern California, and uh, we're quickly expanding up into the East Bay area. And, and hopefully, you know, Soma Hill is going to be a household name, not only in uh, and every nook and cranny of community of this nation, but again, moving beyond just the, uh, you know, moving beyond borders, yes. right? Moving beyond yes. borders and uh, really beginning to impact this uh, this global endemic. Because, mm -hmm. like I said, man, a million people around the around the world. Not to be morbid, but mm -hmm. America is only representing on average thirty five hundred out of a million of those people. Wow. So it just goes to show you, like, yeah, this is a great place to sharpen our tools and to really get some impact. Always start at home. I'm a firm believer in that, mm -hmm. especially, you know, at home as small as Inglewood, you know, always yeah. start at home. But once you've got your skills and you're ready, yeah, now, now it's time to really get busy and, uh, and to get into the world and start mm -hmm. helping people. Beautiful, beautiful. And yes, so sir. if someone wanted to volunteer or, or, yeah. or is there, are there also uh, internship opportunities? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, how, would they, how would they get involved? Absolutely. There are internship opportunities. Uh, that is, when I say volunteer, that is, you know, that we call them in their internships. Great. They are internships. <laughs> um, their agreements, you know, we take it very seriously. They're, uh, dude, it's, uh, it's a serious job, you know, yeah. so like yeah. anyone that comes through and applies, they quickly understand how serious we take it. Mm -hmm. You know, we invest a lot of time in them because we expect that to be returned right back. Yeah. Know, ultimately, it's not about Jamal Hill, it's not about the Solomon Hill Foundation, it's about this mission mm -hmm. that we've agreed to work together on. So, you know, I tolerate zero, mm -hmm. <laughs> zero slack as yeah. we're working to that, man. Um, but yeah, check out swimuphill.org online. That's the easiest way, just swimuphill.org in a web browser. Um, from that domain, you'll be able to access any of our social medias. You can plug into our query, uh, our, our query form. You know, uh, send us an email. Hey, I want to volunteer. Hey, I have this experience. I have this expertise. Mm -hmm. um, and we're actually moving into a Give Five Save Lives campaign. Mm -hmm. So uh, five different ways that individuals can ultimately help us progress this mission. And, and one of those is investing five hours a month of expertise. You know, whether you be an accountant or or a lawyer 
Or maybe you're a local librarian and, and there's an opportunity that we can align here to, you know, have a reading for mm -hmm. the kids and ultimately, you know, pull that pull that group into some type of swim lesson activity. Um, yeah, man, that, that's pretty Wonderful. much it. Swimappeal.org is going to be the best way to connect with the organization. Great, great. That was a fantastic answer. Um, <laughs> so going back to your work as a lifeguard, mm -hmm. I know there's a there's an effort currently in Los Angeles to recruit yeah. more BIPOC librarians. Yeah. Not lifeguards. Lifeguards. <laughs> librarians, too. But that's not what I'm talking about right now. Uh, <laughs> would you have any advice for young people who wanted to get into this program, you know, it yeah. can be a little intimidating yeah. working for the city and working at a place. Absolutely, and I would say this, uh, not to sidestep the question, but my yeah. advice would not necessarily be for the community members. My mm. advice would be for um, the organization, the city, the county, mm. um, because the city and the county is, these, these are some of our primary clients in yeah. the Soma Pill Foundation. Yeah. Uh, so we definitely run individual events every year. We run one event a month for 10 months. And across those 10 months every year, we teach 500 just internally as an organization. Mm. But we reach millions through community partners like cities and things like that, you know, by, by being able to not only increase their capacity of service, you know, so maybe they're only able to enroll 20,000, yeah. and now they can enroll 25,000, and we can actually track how many people have learned how to swim because of the systems that we're involved in here. Mm -hmm. um, but more importantly than that, what the Swim Appeal Foundation that the cities and counties are missing in this search for BIPOC lifeguards is a bridge. Mm. is a bridge, um, is a bridge to the community that they're looking to involve in. I think a lot of times, you know, you ask people, you go to, you go to, you go to symposiums and things like that, and if I ask people what they want, everybody says, we want more pools, it's, it's pools that we need. Yeah. And uh, I say, no, it's not more pools that we need. We live in Southern California, you know, I don't, even, even if Watts doesn't have many pools, mm -hmm. just the general area, like we got more pools per capita than most of the United States. So yeah. it's not a matter of pools, it's not a matter necessarily of access, it's more a matter of systems. We need better mm. systems. Mm. Um, we need a better way for these black and brown communities, call them what they are, but yeah. these black and brown communities who, yes, the, the city has these opportunities, right? They want them to be involved, but guess what? These people over here, number one, they're not incentivized to take part in it, mm -hmm. right? Like, why would I do this? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Right, there's no bridge there. There's there's a gap in connection. Right, we want to hire you guys, but not only do they not have an interest, but they don't see themselves reflected in that space. Right, so it's kind of like mm -hmm. this problem that mirrors itself. Mm -hmm. Right, um, so just uh, helping these cities and things understand that you don't start at the end. Yeah, and when we talk about needing more BIPOC lifeguards mm -hmm. and things like that, we're starting start with the end in mind. But you know, start the race at the finish line. Yeah. And that is what that is. Like that is ultimately the culmination. Mm -hmm. What is that the culmination of? That's the culmination of a system that brings in black and brown youth to learn how to swim. Yeah. And grows them into swim team members and this and that. And then at the very end we get a lifeguard. Yes. Right? Yeah, after ten years after of after education. right, after five to ten yeah. years of being involved and understanding and enjoying aquatics, right? Because mm -hmm. um, that's ultimately what made me become a lifeguard when I was 15 years old. My mom said, well, you know, I'm a young guy. Mm -hmm. Dude, I got to get a job. I got to make some money. I got to take the honeys out. I got to <laughs> I gotta buy some new clothes. I gotta... I'm like, where should I work? Should I go on a fast food? Should I do this? And my mom told me, dude, look, you need to do something that you're going to enjoy every day. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, great. Let me be a lifeguard then. And it pays well. Mm. It pays, you know, but I mean, for a 16-year-old, you know, I was making, I don't know, like, close to $20 an hour, you know, 17-something yeah, dollars an hour. Dude, summer, you know, that's a good summer, man. You know, that's a good summer. Um, but yeah, that would be my advice, man, is that uh, they need a bridge. And uh, ultimately, that's what my goal, that's, that's what my personal goal is, is to be that bridge, to be, to be a brick along that bridge that's connecting these two communities. And uh, yeah, I think, I think that's really the bigger problem at play. And when we work with cities, that's where we start. Like, yeah, of course, you guys want more brack and vinyl lifeguards. Yeah. In order to make that dream a reality, we gotta build an infrastructure that produces it. Yeah. There's no infrastructure that produces it, and that's why they're out here going on a mad goose hunt, trying to find them. Yeah. Trying to, oh look, we put up all these ads all over the city, but for yeah. some reason nobody's still responding. Yeah, there's no original investment. There is no original investment to be, you know, you, you gotta plant the seed to reap the crop. You know, so uh, that, that's what the Swimmerfield Foundation is here for. Um, and that is the advice that I would provide to these entities, you know, looking to fill that need in the community. Yeah, that's, you know, just, uh, just an announcement doesn't really get us anywhere. <laughs> A new website doesn't, doesn't change anything. We're looking for black and brown lifeguards, guys. Like, and we pay this much. Like, dude, listen, that's great. Don't get me wrong. Every step in... Every step in the right direction is, by definition, a step in the right direction. Yeah. <laughs> um, but is it the right step? Yeah, we need larger steps. Or we need more. just we need uh, <laughs> more, more really just more thought through steps. Mm. We have gotta really think through, you know, ultimately again the supply chain. Mm -hmm. Thinking through that supply chain. Well, heck, we want this product, um, and we wanted, you know, this product at this price and this quantity. Yeah. Um, but that's 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 the end all be all. Like, that's all we're saying is we were like, well, where are we getting it from? Why are we getting it from there? Mm -hmm. Why does this make the most sense? Right? None of these things have been figured out, and it's not products. Yeah. These are people. Yeah. People are developed. Mm -hmm. Right? People are built. People grow over time. They become invested. Mm -hmm. um, and that's ultimately, that's ultimately what, uh, what cities and counties are lacking. Yeah. You know, um, and, and it's no fault to their own. It's, it's, it's a bit of the American aquaculture that has disenfranchised low income that's disenfranchised black and brown communities mm -hmm. um, and uh, now we're working to you know knit a new fabric right to, yes. to, to weave a new reality so it's really really important that we do start on the ground level with real people where they are mm -hmm. wonderful wonderfully said um, so turning this back on mm -hmm. you know me yeah yeah, yeah. we're talking about weaving this you know this this, this web um, do you see the public library as a player yeah. in this in this uh, long-term game that we're trying to establish here? And how do you think we could better uh, help this mm. process? Mm. Yeah, that's actually really, really powerful. <clears throat> I think, uh, number one, the short answer is yeah. Because mm -hmm. um, this is a public institution. This is a this is in, essentially an institution of higher learning right here, right? We've got yeah. thousands of books underneath this roof across any subject that there is. And, one thing that we talk about in in our foundation that I that I tell you know our, our lead our lead interns our lead staff even our board of directors that our game is to influence the influencers mm. right yeah um, the people who make those policy changes the people who 
set the agenda for the community, for the city. These are the people we're looking to influence because these are the people who ultimately are making the decisions and doing things like that. So when we talk about, you know, even just the Inglewood Public Library, uh, that there's there's many ways that, that I think that uh, that we can become more involved. You know, from something as ground level as having, you know, uh, Swim Awareness Week at the library. Mm. You know, that, that's yeah. a really low-hanging fruit. And, yeah. and maybe there's more than one. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, yeah, it makes a lot of sense during the summer. Yeah. But uh, maybe it also makes sense to have a winter Swim yeah. Awareness Week. Yeah. You know, just some, something wild. I mean, maybe it's not specifically Swim Awareness. Maybe it's something, you know, there's a Shark Week. Yeah. You know, I don't yeah. know. I'm just spitballing <laughs> yeah. here a little bit. Totally. But something that is just starting to, starting to build aquatics more into the culture. Mm. You know, yeah. like really highlighting and making it sound like something that these kids are being introduced to and maybe it's going to spark an interest in. Yes. You know, so I yeah. think that's one really easy, low-hanging fruit. And then uh, even kind of building upon that, when you take an idea, I don't even want to give too many ideas here. That's a, that's a, that's a decent one. When you take an idea like that, yeah. right, okay, well, well maybe there's, maybe there's, maybe there's a, a swim week or a swim day honoring this every quarter or something like that. Mm-hmm. And now we're talking about this is the Inglewood City Library. Well, we all know that like politics need media, mm-hmm. right? And people need to know that their politicians are working on their behalf. Because that's a great media opportunity. Mm. Now we're bringing it. Guess what? Now we've got Sabrina Barnes from Parks and Rec Department in here talking about this. Mm-hmm. Now we've got Mayor Butts. You know, you've done a few of them. Now Mayor Butts is like the, the pressure on him is like, man, I got to get over to the library for five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just just walk across the way for five minutes and talk about how important water safety education is to the Inglewood community and how we're leading the county, we're leading Southern California um, in this search for, for, for not only BIPOC lifeguards, yes. but just like this expansion of aquatic culture and BIPOC communities. Yes. Um, you know, so just starting with, right, even something as simple as that, starting with the seed, this is a communal place. People come here to gather. People come here to gather and to learn. Um, so. <clears throat> Yeah, I think the, the library could be a wonderful catalyst uh, for for influencing our youth, you know, yeah. whether they be, you know, three, four, five years old, I don't know how young they come to the library, yeah. all the way up until the high schoolers, you know, yeah. so uh, there you go, that, that's an idea free of charge, you implement it, the only request I have is to be in attendance. <laughs> thank you, thank you, you will be in attendance. Amen and, to that. And I will be working with them. Okay. <laughs> Don't worry, I, I work on good ideas. <laughs> so, getting back to this education, mm-hmm. you know, uh, talking about books. Yeah. We're surrounded by them. Yeah, man. Are there any that you could cite um, that have been essential to your journey to where you are today? Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, Pretty much one of my, excuse me, one of my favorite authors is Peter Drucker, mm. father of modern entrepreneurship. Mm. The Central Drucker, I think, is a great collection of his works. Love that. Um, I'm currently reading The Law of Seduction by Robert Greene. Mm. Uh, so Robert Greene, another phenomenal author. Uh, Forty Eight Laws of Power. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. <laughs> um, just an absolutely freaking powerhouse of an author. Uh, created so many amazing works. Um, something uh, something else that I really love is. Uh, the Richest Man in Babylon. Mm. Um, so that is, it's, it's actually a pretty short book, uh, but it is uh, pretty much, it gives like 10 principles uh, mm. for, for, for growing wealth, developing wealth, and 
and just you know keeping life simple. Yeah. Um, and I think the format that the authors took to express these you know pretty uh, essential financial keys, mm -hmm. uh, it was it's like a storybook style. Mm. You know, so it's something that can be read to a child or an elder, and they'll both you know pretty much engage with the material in a pretty enthusiastic way. So. Mm. Those are two authors that I love. That's one of my favorite books. I probably read Richest Man in Babylon, you know, a couple of times a year. Mm. Um, other than that, I would say resources, dude. Love the Libby app. You do? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That'd love be great the, to hear. Dude, man, it's love the Libby app. You know, I think it's a, a great tool. Mm. Um, you know, especially, right, it's free. You, you have all the releases on there. You just reserve it, and then you... What I love most about it, there's a deadline, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. You, know, you got this reservation for a month, so, you know, uh, people respond to that. So I love the Libby app. I also use, dude, I use Audible. You know, I use I use my Kindle. I have my Kindle Unlimited subscription. So, yeah. like I said, I, I love audiobooks. I love reading the physical. I love reading my physical book while my audiobook plays, yeah. you know, uh, to, to really kind of get that double whammy. But, yeah, those are two really good authors. That's one. And then... Uh, Believe it or not, actually, I'm working on uh, uh, memoirs of a uh, of a Tokyo Paralympic swimmer right now. Mm. So, um, hoping to release that. That would be my first book. Wow! Uh, before the that would be my first published book. I have yeah. a few book projects out of show that, mm. that you know I'm still debating how we'll open that. But uh, that'll be my first published book, releasing the end of the year, and it just pretty much is gonna take people the 100 days leading up to Tokyo and the 10 days that I was in Tokyo. Um, just experiences, you know, experiences, modes of thought, the challenges, the, every every emotion that, that someone comes into when they're pretty much moving into a culmination of of life experiences, you know, yeah. uh, with a real deadline on it. So, yeah. uh, no shameless plug there, you know, <laughs> so when it comes out, make sure you're following Jamal Hill. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, man. Other than that, I would say, um, I would say, uh, just in the spirit of education, uh, you know, mm -hmm. so thinking about going to finish my degree, um, mm -hmm. probably going to do it online. Been to college once, no mm -hmm. need to be in the class again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm decently excited about that. Great. One thing I am also very excited about, though, is uh, I've just enrolled in a. Uh, in a uh, Spanish immersion course. Mm. So, you know, growing yes. up in LA, my Spanglish is pretty top notch. Yeah. Um, but my Spanish is subpar. I was in Mexico City recently, and mm -hmm. you quickly realize that <laughs> Spanglish is not fluent Spanish, you know, so. <laughs> and where um, are you, where are you uh, taking that through for anyone? Yeah, who, absolutely. Well, yeah, I'm actually uh, taking that through Lingoda. Mm. Lingoda is an online uh, international resource, and mm. what attracted me to them, they have these things called sprints and super spent so it's pretty much you register for a class yeah. once a day for 90 days yeah and as long as you make it to every class you're never late and you never leave early you get a full refund mm. um, for the price of the course wow so not only do you learn the language but you also get all your money back yeah um, so that, that's a great resource uh, you got to commit to it though otherwise it's one of those type of things I imagine if you fall off you could lose a big part of the incident you know <laughs> yeah, like so so it's one of those that are uh, that that I, that's going to be a challenge for me for 12 weeks to uh, you know to really make it through. But I'm incentivized and I'm excited. You know, hopefully, hopefully in the new year you'll have me back on and we'll have a we'll have a Spanish version of this podcast. And uh, yeah, that, that's it, man. So that's it. That's what I'm reading. That's what I'm learning these days. Fantastic. Yes, sir. Fantastic.
Um, so we've, you know, we're speaking to a real Inglewood champion here, yeah. and we've yet to discuss your actual, uh, <laughs> you know, your achievement, your globe trotting, uh, yeah. you know, conquering pools of yes, Tokyo. Sir. Yes, um, sir. <laughs> would you like to give um, give the audience, you know, a brief, mm -hmm. a brief, uh, a taste uh, yeah. of how that journey came? Yeah, for sure. So real quick, I, you know, obviously I have this amazing art with me here that I got from an Inglewood artist outside named Adrian, but I, I did leave my medal at home today. It's hanging up. It's hanging up. So you all forgive me for that, but okay. you'll have to take my word for it. I did actually win a bronze medal at the Paralympics this summer. Um, an individual bronze, no shame on the teams, but an individual shines a little bit brighter in my humble opinion. You know, you kind of can't lean on three other amazing people to bail you out of a situation, right? Um, so. You know what, uh, man, I mean, we know how the testament goes. Hard work, dedication, patience, yes. all these things that are necessary, finding the right group, finding what works for you. Um, one thing I could tell you about the experience, you know, uh, most people think that me standing on the podium was the most powerful experience, and, and it wasn't. It was actually at the end of the race. Mm. That was the most powerful experience. And we're in a COVID context in Tokyo, so there are no fans in the stands. Mm -hmm. um, the only people in the stands are other athletes who were swimming earlier that night. Mm. Uh, so I finished the race, touched the wall, and if you've ever seen swimming on that level, it's like they touch the wall and they whoop, they whip around real quick to see the board, right? Mm -hmm. So I touched the wall, and the difference between first and second is two hundredths of a second. Wow. The difference between second and third is two hundredths of a second. Wow. The difference between third and fourth is eighteen hundredths of a second, right? <laughs> um, so it's just like you know, like just rattling off. Uh -huh. And uh, so I touched the wall, and you know, even though you're focused, I can see this guy next to me just barely out touched me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I do know that, well, he, if you didn't know this, you can only afford to let two people do better than you. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to come home with the medal, you know, the, the Olympics, the Paralympics, most of the world mm -hmm. never makes it to that level. Yeah. And then once you've made it to that level, yeah. most of those athletes come home empty-handed. Mm -hmm. That's a fact. Mm -hmm. Most people who go to the games come home with nothing. You know, so that's a really, really... I, I'm not a, a huge fan of the word elite, but yeah, it is definitely uh, it's got some status to it. Yeah, you know, yeah, you're a part of a you're a part of a, of a rare club here. So I saw that dude touch the wall, and when I hit the wall, I didn't spin around. Mm. I didn't spin around to look at the clock. Mm. Um, you know, I always shake people's hands next to me. I could hear people to my left cheering, um, but the reason I didn't turn around was because in that moment I knew that I probably just put together the best race of my life up until that point. Mm. And whether or not I got second place or I got seventh place, yeah. um, I wanted to appreciate that mm. and, and just honor myself separate from any result. Mm. Right? Like I didn't want any result to validate or invalidate what I had just experienced and everything yeah. that I had done for a lifetime, let alone the past five years, mm -hmm. to get here and experience that. And so, Man, I just, I reveled in that, I honored myself, and my plan was to honestly never turn around. I was going to climb out of the pool and just check it out backstage, but uh, after about 30 seconds, I could hear one of my teammates calling my name. Oh my God. And I'm like, well look, they don't call you my name if you didn't win a medal, dude. Like, ain't nobody shouting your name for fifth place, trust me. Um, so at that point, I was like, alright, that's probably a good sign. And uh, so I just went ahead, I turned around, and I'm just kind of squinting, it's hard to see. Yeah. I'm squinting and uh, the feeling is just relief, man. Mm. You, you would think it's like, 
There's no big celebration. Yeah. There's no just moment of triumph. Yeah. It's just relief. You come from this point of, you know, anticipation, anticipation, anticipation for years, and now the moments leading into it are just some of the highest levels of anxiety and and joy and hysteria, right? And 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 just kind of this unknown future that has a date and a time, and, yeah. and right? it's like there's a destiny point yeah. here, very clear defined destiny point. Um, so having experienced it and then come out relatively victorious, mm-hmm. dude, all you feel is relief. That's all you feel is relief. So there you go. That's beautiful, man. <laughs> beautiful. The, the, you know, what you said about honoring yourself, mm-hmm. I think, is absolutely massive. And I think that's also a great place for, yes, us, for us to end this interview. <laughs> I, uh, you know, Jamal, it's been it's been a, a true honor. Thank You're you, the first man. champion that I've, I've ever interviewed. And, and hopefully that. I interview Amen more, but if you this will, is it, will. It's, this is great. Dude, Sean, <laughs> it was an absolute pleasure, man. God bless you. God bless the city of Inglewood and this library, man. You know, uh, my mom, I, I grew up coming in here a lot as a kid. Mm. Uh, my mom was a sheriff, so she worked, you know, literally on this block. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so I spent a lot of summers here. I spent a lot of time here as a kid. And uh, it's, it's, it's really an honor to now be here having a conversation with you. So thank you for that opportunity. Thank you, man. Thank you, yeah. man. And, uh, you know, hopefully more medals to come. Hey, more medals <laughs> to come. Amen to that. <laughs> All right. All right, my brother. Cheers. <laughs> that concludes the final episode of Passing the Mic. If you'd like to learn more about Jamal Hill's Swim Uphill Foundation, please visit swimuphill.org. And to learn more about your Inglewood Public Library, please go to library.cityofinglewood.org. Thank you.